If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is the Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up and let's go. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Game Time Guru podcast. And I wanted to make mention that this episode is going to be in three different parts. So we're going to split it into three episodes because this is an extremely unique and extremely special opportunity for us to bring on a World Series winning pitcher to the show. This is Vern Law talking about his experience all the way from high school through the World Series and on. So he's from Meridian, Idaho. He's got a great story to share with us all. And it's going to go all the way from Meridian through his days with the Pittsburgh Pirates when he won the World Series in 1960 against the Yankees. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and today I have the honor and privilege of speaking to the former Cy Young Award-winning, World Series-winning pitcher from the Pittsburgh Pirates, Mr. Vern Law. Vern, thanks so much for taking the time out of your schedule to talk to me this morning. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure to talk about the game of baseball and, and what happened. <laughs> I, I'm I'm honored to have you on the show, sir, and, and what's funny is I may not... You know, people would think like I have nothing in common with you in regards to like athletic talent, like awards that you've won, stuff like that. But I do have something in common with you, and that's the fact that I'm from Meridian, Idaho, and to my understanding, so are you. And you have quite the history here in Meridian. So before we get started with like your professional career, we want to take it all the way back to when you were from Meridian and and when baseball really wasn't that big. Could you explain that journey for us when you were in Meridian, Idaho? Well, you know, yes, uh, Meridian back then was uh, uh, just a farming community. Uh, we, uh, you know, as uh, I played all the sports there in Meridian High School, and and uh, matter of fact, there was uh, uh, well, uh, Moscow the, in Idaho, the university. They thought maybe I was a better uh, football player than I was a baseball player, but I think I chose the right sport. You know to, to to focus on you know, but uh, you know that uh, that community there was only about fifteen hundred uh, people that lived in Meridian. I graduated from a class in '96, and uh, all we had on our team were a bunch of big farmers. We did have a good football team and beat everybody in the state that we played, and and so yeah, it it was just, it was a very small community and. Uh, the livelihood, of course, was, uh, uh, well, farming and, and cows. And we had a dairy, a dairy there in, uh, Meridian and, and, uh, a creamery. And so my brother and I, we, uh, we both worked there at the creamery. Matter of fact, most everybody close in town worked for the uh, creamery. But, uh, uh, but as far as, as, uh, high school is concerned, why it was, uh, it was it was quite small. We didn't have a lot of people to choose from, you know, as far as the baseball team. And uh, well, uh, matter of fact, we had we had no coaching whatsoever. Anybody that do anything about the game. Uh, myself, I didn't. Uh, you know, I, I because I lived on a farm. I was always throwing rocks at birds and insulators on telephone poles and one thing or another. And and uh, so I had uh, I, I had a good arm. I could throw I could throw hard and I could throw strikes. I didn't even have a wind up, 
You know, I knew nothing about pitching, how to set up a hitter or whatever. But, uh, as a matter of fact, my food, after high school, why, you know, I, I signed a professional contract there. Uh, and that's most interesting. And I think probably the reason, uh, uh, well, we were beating some of the big teams. Uh, my, my brother was my catcher, and so we worked well together. And as, as it turned out, why, uh, we had tournament games uh, at the end of this uh, on my uh, junior year, and uh, it was uh, at, we were playing team in, from Payette. That's uh, Harmon Killebrew's hometown, but uh, I was four years before uh, before Harmon, and so uh, I didn't have to play against him at that point. But uh, it, you know, it the game itself. Uh, uh, I, my, my first manager that I had in the pro says, do you throw a change-up? And he's, I just said, what's that? I didn't know what a change-up was, you know, but uh, I did find out later uh, my second year from uh, a pitching coach that, uh, that was managing Davenport, Iowa, and he taught me how to throw that change-up. Well, I found that as a great weapon to use because I, I could strike a lot of people out with my fastball, but it really made pitching a lot easier for me to – be able to set up a hitter, and and there are some sins in baseball uh, for a pitcher, and that was proven last night by the Do- the Dodgers uh, in the World Series. You don't walk the first guy, and and that uh, that that run that one of the ones that that killed uh, you know the Boston Red Sox last night because he walked the first guy ninety percent of the time. You walk that first guy, you're going to, you know, you're going to, well, he's going to score. You might not lose the game, but uh, you're going to score, you know. So anyway, I learned a lot about pitching from that particular manager that I have. His name was Bill Burwell. But in high school, you know, we just didn't have a, a good team, you know. The, but we were winning because I was striking out, uh, oh, I'd say 90% of the hitters. And so, as it turned out, you know, we won the district, we won this, uh, you know, uh, at, at that point in time. But then we didn't have enough players. Uh, uh, well, in, uh, my sophomore year, we had enough guys to uh, have a, a post team, a American Legion team, for the summer. And I, I you know, and, and we, we did okay that particular year, but uh, the next year, my junior year, why we didn't have enough players. So what happened was I went to uh, uh, I along with two of my teammates who were pretty good players. Well, we went and played on the Boise team, post '48, as I remember. And uh, matter of fact, Larry Jackson, who also played in the big league, was on that team as a shortstop, but not as a pitcher. Uh, he later became a pitcher and, and did very well in uh, playing for the Cardinals. But, you know, we were good enough that we won the district, the state, the regional, and went to the sectional tournaments in Billings, Montana. And it was there that I met Babe Ruth. He was a guest speaker there. Well, I, I, actually, he didn't do much speaking because it's just after his throat operation, and he could just barely whisper. But uh, I did get a baseball signed by Babe Ruth, and that, of course, kind of piqued uh, 
my interest in the game. And, and so when I graduated in, uh, in 1948, why, uh, I had nine different scouts that came, uh, to my home after, cause they couldn't talk to me prior to the, uh, to graduation or even to my parents. There were certain rules back then that, uh, you know, they, the scouts had to abide by. But anyway, uh, there were nine different organizations represented there, including the Yankees and Dodgers and, uh, and Cardinals and, you know, all these, uh, teams that were kind of playing and looking for a new talent. Um, but as, well, let me just explain back up just a little bit because in a game, one of the championship games, uh, there in Idaho, uh, so, so Vern, you said that you had these scouts that came to your house and you had nine teams, but how did you get that professional exposure here in Idaho from a, a state that really didn't have, you know, a strong, you know, set of baseball teams and baseball schools and such? So how did you get that exposure in the first place? What happened in the game that got those scouts to come to your house? We were playing in Payette, and, and it so happened that uh, – it was a good game. I mean, nobody was scoring, uh, but in the last inning, and I don't remember the sequence, either my brother got a double and I got a base hit to drive him in, or I hit the double and he drove in. But we had a one and nothing lead in the ninth inning, the last inning. And so, uh, as it turned out, why, I, you know, they throw the ball around to, around the infield. I take my warm ups and then, you know, so if I, my third baseman threw me the ball. I turned around, and up at the home plate was a midget. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't tell you uh, what a surprise that was to me because I had no hardly no target to throw to. But my brother came out and said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I, I get, he's up there to get a base on balls. i tell you what, you go... Get behind home plate, get on your knees, put the glove right down, uh, you know, on the ground, and by the time the ball comes over the home plate, why, it should be a strike. Well, and, uh, as a fortunate, because I was used to throwing to a target, I threw three straight strikes and struck them out, and we end up winning the game. Well, in the stands was a, an attorney who's a very good friend of Bing Crosby's. Well, uh, Bing and uh, this fellow, uh, Bing had bought interest in the Pirates. And so, uh, as it turned out, uh, uh, my friend, uh, his attorney, he, he called uh, Bing Crosby and says, Hey, we we got a suspect out here in Idaho. You better call the Pirates and tell them to come out and, and look at this kid because he throws good, you know. Well, like I say, I didn't even have a wind-up. I didn't even look like a pitcher, but I could throw strikes and I could throw hard. Well, uh, that did get a lot of interest because of, I, you know, had good control and I could throw strikes. So uh, he did show up, you know. And then, like I say, unbeknownst to me, I had no idea that all this was going on. And so when I graduated and all these people were at my home, but most of them came in smoking a big cigar, and my dad being very staunch about uh, uh, this uh, tobacco issue that uh, was going on during those years, uh, said, uh, well, you can come in, but please, we don't allow tobacco in the house. So they didn't make too good of an impression. Uh, 
So, and now, uh, the last people to come in was the, the Pirates. Uh, a fellow by the name of Babe Herman, who played in the outfield for the Dodgers, and so, and, and along with the attorney. But when they come in, they had a dozen roses and a box of chocolates for my mother. And then halfway through the conversation, the phone rings, and the attorney says, Mrs. Law, you better answer the phone. Well, on the other end of the line was Bing Crosby. Well, my mother liked to faint it because she was such a great Bing Crosby fan. Well, everybody was, you know. And so, anyway, he gave my mother some good advice. He, he says, don't let your son sign for a bonus because if you do uh, sign over, and back then a bonus was over $5,000. If you sign for over $5,000, uh, you're going to have to sit on a major league bench for two years before they can send you out, you know, and learn how to pitch. And so he told, don't let your son sign for a bonus, you know. And, uh, well, I did get a bonus, but it wasn't $5,000. <laughs> it was $1,500 that I got for signing. And so, but that was more money than most of the farmers made in the year. So that was... Uh, that was uh, okay, you know, and I thought it was wonderful. So to be paid to play baseball, that's that's a that's a good job. Absolutely, it's a good job. And you didn't necessarily just start in the majors, though. Can you explain the process where you started once you signed, and kind of go through how you went through the ranks of baseball and then the professional level, I should say? Well, my first, like I said, uh, they went ahead and signed, and of course now my second year. Uh, well, the first year I was just in a rookie league. This team had already started the season and so forth. I went there and finished up there uh, that half year and, and did well and won a few games. And then I went to Davenport, Iowa. This is where I learned how to pitch because of the pitching coach. And then the next year uh, I went to uh, New Orleans, which was double A. And so... I got off to a great start in New Orleans. Then I went to, uh, uh, on the road trip, I, I received a call from uh, a traveler and says, uh, you're going to Pittsburgh. And, well, that was a shock to me, but I didn't, uh, you know, I really, well, I kind of felt like I wanted to finish out the year there because I was having a great year, you know, and, but they called me up to Pittsburgh. And, of course, uh, from that point on, why, uh, things really began to, uh, to focus. I used a focus, uh, on how to really pitch and how, cause I had a lot of coaches and a lot of help there. Uh, I picked up a lot by observing people and so forth. And, and so that, that was kind of the start of my career. But I found out later, you know, after being in Pittsburgh, uh, for a year or two, We'd, and this was after the Dodgers had moved from Brooklyn down out to Los Angeles, and the Giants had moved to San Francisco from Brooklyn. And and now uh, we go out there, and every once in a while, Bing Crosby would show up at our ballpark and uh, and uh, come down the clubhouse and say hi to everybody. Well, this particular day, uh, the, I was pitching in Los Angeles, and. Uh, I think Crosby's in the clubhouse. Well, I went out, you know, and I did my work and come back in, and we struck up a conversation. And he says, do you remember when you signed a contract? And I said, well, yeah. 
I know who was there and, and so forth, but uh, that's all I knew. I said, well, I want to tell you something. The pirates went out and bought a box of cigars and, and passed them out before these scouts went in so that they wouldn't make too good of an impression. And so that's how I, that's how come I ended up in Pittsburgh. So, okay, so that, that kind of gives you a little wind up as to what happened and how I got to Pittsburgh. Oh, man, that's actually really funny that the Pirates organization did that, though, to try to win you you and your family over. And it's really cool to hear, as you're explaining that story, a few things came to mind. I wrote them down. You mentioned multiple times that you didn't really have the proper coaching where you were from here in Meridian and, and such because it wasn't too big of a, a thing here yet, and you still were able to make an impression on professional organizations and that's really impressive because that's not something that everybody can do especially without the proper coaching so it's awesome to hear your journey and then you also went through you know obviously the minors up to the to the professional level now one thing I wanted to ask you here Vern was about okay so you get into the majors and to my understanding um you mentioned something because you grew up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where you guys observe um, Sundays as the Sabbath day. I, uh, it, to my understanding, you had asked that you don't play games on Sundays. Is that correct? <laughs> well, that that happened early on, you know, uh, because uh, they kind of honored that, you know, and and so. Uh, but now that I got started up in the classification and better baseball. Uh, I could see that this was going to cause a lot of problems because, uh, you know, uh, if I didn't show up to the ballpark on Sunday and the team and my teammates would say, well, where's, where's Vern? He's supposed to pitch today, you know. And and so, uh, uh, you know, I, I know the other guys on the team would, uh, would not, uh, you know, uh, well, they would like to have a day off too and go to church, you know, and so forth. Right. And, uh, but that that happened in my my the first two years, and then when I got to New Orleans, why uh, I could see that this was going to cause a problem, and so um, I talked to the general authorities about this, you know, and uh, and I can remember our conversation with President McKay uh, at that time. Why he says. Uh, well, Mr. Law, he says, uh, what, uh, what did you do before you went, uh, uh, you know, to, uh, to the big leagues? And he says, well, uh, well, I, you know, I lived on the farm and, and, you know, we milked cows and we did all the things, you know, farmers, uh, kids did and, and uh, so on. And, and so he says, well, you know, was that your livelihood? And he says, well, yes, pretty much so. And he says, did you do this on Sunday? And he says, well, yes. And, and, and so, uh, he says, well, now, okay, now you're, you've signed a contract, haven't you, with Pittsburgh? And I said, well, yes, sir. And, and he says, well, you've got to live up to your contract, you know. Yeah, and I understand. I says, I, but let me give you some advice. It says, you do everything you can, you know, to remain active, you know, uh, keep your nose clean, set the right example, and so forth. You'll be more than well ex accepted, you know. And so live up to your commitments, and, and the Lord will bless you. Well, he certainly does, but, you know, because uh, over the years there, uh, I can see where, uh, well, 
I, I can tell you one thing. I wanted success just as well as anyone else, you know, in in the game. And uh, so that in, that involved pitching on Sunday. And and uh, and so uh, I didn't like to lose on Sunday. So I wanted to win on Sunday as well, and so I did give it my best. But I I can honestly say that uh, uh, I had a problem with that. You know, I I didn't like to pitch on Sunday, but uh, as it turned out, you know, I went ahead and, and did the very best I could, and 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 so it, it has all worked out. Matter of fact, I had one of the general authorities tell me. I won't tell you which one, but he says, uh, when you were in the World Series and you pitched on Sunday, he says, if I hadn't had assignment, I wanted to stay home and watch the game. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway, you know, he by doing the things that, that I have been taught in my life, uh, I know that my career would not have been as successful had I not had that kind of advice and help from uh from the church, you know, and, and I'll tell you, there are people that 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 I have loved and respected, uh, both in baseball and in the church. It's just been absolutely a wonderful experience for us and my family, because uh, without it, like I say, my career would not have been as successful. Because there's all kinds of trouble I could have got in had I not been a member of the church, and I'm I'm grateful and. I can bear testimony to that fact that it it gave me uh, 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 the, this you know the uh, well to make right decisions in my life you know as I went through all of this you know so it's a it was a tough uh, learning experience at times you know uh, both in knowing how to. Uh, to say no when you should say no. Do you have an example of that, Vern? Like when you said no, when, you know, other people would have probably just gone along with it, but you stuck to your morals and said no? I had a call during the World Series from New York. They called and and uh, wanted me to sign Marlboro cigarettes. And I was shocked by that. And I, I was stunned. I said, I kind of stammered around and I said, you mean you want me to sign, uh, give you the okay to use my name and, and picture or whatever uh, to, you know, to uh, endorse Marlboro cigarettes? And, uh, yes, sir, we would like to do that. And I said, well, by that time I said, well, I can't do that because I know that, you know, the youth of the church looks up you know, to, to the, you know, to athletes and whether it's, it's uh, in baseball or other sports, they look up to an athlete and they expect to see people that just like I did, uh, you know, when I saw Babe Ruth, you know, he still had a cigar in his mouth, even though he had a throat operation, but he wasn't smoking it. It was just there to chew on, I guess. And, and so, and he also had a bottle of beer uh, that uh, he was drinking. And I, that shocked me. And so he was not really a hero of mine, but uh, but was a great ball player. You know, it was not, I didn't want to follow uh, someone's example like that. But it, it just uh, it just uh, was a, really a big help to me uh, to uh, have the church backing and have people that I didn't realize at the time, but I probably I had the biggest fan club in the world because if they. Uh, all the LDS people, of course, whether they uh, were in, in the, the towns that I played, 
they always took care of me. You know, if uh, they would, they would come to the, they'd come to the hotel, they'd pick me up, take me to church, and then, uh, they would, uh, get me to the ballpark in time to uh, do what I had to do. And, uh, I, I can remember many times that, uh, in Cincinnati and some of the times that, uh, even in Brooklyn and New York when I was there, I, I went to church, I'd go to church and then, uh, then, I'd have a cab waiting for me, uh, you know, to uh, take me to the ballpark. Uh, so I made the extra effort to make sure that I, uh, you know, lived the standards of what I was, what I was taught in my life by my parents and also by the church. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for part one of this. Uh, episode 85 three-part episode and um, I hope you guys enjoyed it Uh, we're going to be looking for more so part two stay tuned later on in the week we're going to be launching part two which will explain the middle part of Vern's career going through the minors to the majors and he's going to talk about his experience in the draft for the army and when he spent two years serving in the army and how that affected him in his career so make sure you go and give this five stars Leave me a review on iTunes and share it with all your friends and family and get ready for part two.